minutes that we have together, we're going to be working from those two passages that you see on the screen there, Matthew 28, Romans 6. So if you like to pull your Bible out, kind of stick your finger in one of those passages and then turn over to um, the other one. Uh, if we would have been following our Revelation series this morning, we would have been touching on the millennium. And uh, that's, a, that's a deep one to tackle, especially on a Sunday when you're uh, ready to go baptize some folks. And so I decided to kind of leave it a little lighter for our sake, but also to give some attention to baptism. Um, life is full of meaningful moments, right? And when we encounter these meaningful moments in life, we, we, we tend to do things that both reminds us of those meaningful moments and commemorates those meaningful moments. So marriage is kind of one of the uh, examples of that. When we get married, uh, we've used this illustration even as we were talking with folks about baptism this past week. When we are married, we put on a ring. And what does that ring testify? That beyond the moment, that meaningful moment of marriage, this thing now testifies to that moment that I've given my love to my wife and her to me, and that love now excludes all others. I am hers, she is mine, now and for I wear a ring, but then we also do what? We have anniversaries. We get away to celebrate that meaningful moment. Meaningful moments in life are often, you know, commemorated, celebrated, remembered. What baptism is, is just that. It, it's a remembrance, it's a commemoration of something significant that has happened uh, in one's life. And that's specifically what I want to talk about. Why would baptism be so meaningful? Three points. First, because baptism is a command from Jesus. In the Gospel of Matthew, after Jesus has lived, he's lived his earthly life, he's died upon that cross, he's been raised again, and he gives these final instructions to his followers in Matthew chapter 28, familiar passage for many of us. It states this, And Jesus came and said to his followers, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And what are you to do? You're to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, whose scripture says is the creator, he is the sovereign, he is the redeeming king of all creation, upon accomplishing his redemptive work, turns to his followers and says, go make more followers of me and baptize them and teach them. Among those commandments that are to be taught, one would be, of course, baptism. You are to baptize them, teach them to now go make followers, baptizing others and teaching them as well. You see the kind of effect that that has, the ripple effect of teaching and calling people to follow Jesus. For all those who have sought then to turn from their sin and trust in Jesus, they are to be baptized as one of the initial steps of obedience to Christ. And we find that this initial step of obedience to Christ is demonstrated in the early church. 
as people came to faith in Jesus, they declared that faith, how? By obeying Jesus' command to be baptized. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter declares in his first sermon, we see like the first sermon in the New Testament church, we see that he, he tells people to repent, to believe in Jesus, and be baptized. In Acts chapter 8, we see Simon the magician upon faith in Christ. He is baptized. Later in Acts chapter 8, Philip baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch after the Ethiopian eunuch has confessed faith in Christ. In Acts chapter 9, the apostle Paul comes to faith in Jesus. He is then baptized. In Acts chapter 10, you have Cornelius' family. They come to faith in Jesus, and then they are baptized. It's the way of the New Testament church. The church is, by definition, an immersed people, fundamentally out of obedience to Christ. They come to faith in Jesus, and one of the initial steps to demonstrate their faith in Jesus is to be baptized. And don't miss this, then. Jesus himself was baptized. Do you remember? It was his way of identifying with his people and literally leading us by example. Jesus never calls us to something that he doesn't first go through himself. He leads the way. He shows us the way. He's the example for what our lives are to be. And so Jesus himself would identify with us and lead us by example he himself would be baptized. And so it's clear that the New Testament church, as we see from Scripture, as led by Jesus, is compromised of a bunch of water-drenched people. They are a baptized people. They have confessed their faith in Jesus and now have outwardly demonstrated it by being baptized in water. At its most basic level, baptism carries a world of importance and meaning because Jesus himself commands it and by example leads it. All right, so now we have to unpack that meaning. We see that, okay, it's meaningful, it has some importance because Jesus has commanded it, but second, as we look more closely at the meaning of baptism, we see it's a picture of the life we have in Jesus. The symbolism of water within the Bible storyline has always been incredibly rich in its meaning. It always carries the symbolism of God in his sovereign and providential power bringing someone from judgment, from death to life. So, for instance, the story of Noah and the flood. It's the destruction of those who stood against God. It's the destruction of the Nephilim, right? But Noah and his family are brought through those judgment waters from death to life. We see as the story of Scripture continues to unfold the life of Moses. Moses means, his very name means to draw out. When Pharaoh sought to kill the young males of Israel, Moses' mother puts him in a basket floats him on the water until he is drawn out, until he is rescued. Upon the water, according to God's sovereign providential means, Moses went from death to life. We see it even as Moses leads the people into the wilderness, right? And there's the Red Sea. 
And God brings them through the Red Sea in his sovereign, providential power. He brings his people from a place of death to life. We see it in the story, maybe not so well known, of Jonah. Right? Jonah is running from God. He's cast into the sea. And even Jonah will say, I'm, I was in the bowels of hell, of Sheol. I was in a place of death. But even then, in God's sovereign providential power, he brings Jonah through the waters from death to life. Water has always been one of God's rich metaphors for rescue, for redemption, for salvation. And water baptism pictures then just that. In fact, all those Old Testament stories of water actually finds its substance in the work of baptism. All that stuff in the previous uh, storyline of Scripture points us to this one act of water baptism. And then more specifically, so what is water baptism picture? We have these illustrations in Scripture that point us to this unique thing of baptism, but what does it more specifically picture? Well, when we, re when we turn from our old way of life to trust in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, something profoundly spiritual has taken place. As Scripture says, we've gone from spiritual death to life. We can see that in Ephesians 2. Something within us, spiritually speaking, goes from death to life. When we deny the old way of life and say, I'm going to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins, I am going to be a follower of him, something within us changes. And even from the text that we saw from the call of worship, what the change that happens in us is this change of regeneration. Our hearts are made new. The Holy Spirit is given to us to empower us in this new way of life. As Scripture says, we've gone from death to life spiritually. We see this specifically in Romans chapter 6. Verses 3 and 4, it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been spiritually baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. What Paul is not referring to here is actual water baptism. He's speaking of spiritually. Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might too walk in newness of life. There's something spiritually speaking that as we came to faith in Jesus and began to follow him, that we were baptized. We died to our old way of life, and now we are living to this new way of life in Christ. Something spiritual within has taken place. When one comes to saving faith in Jesus, he is spiritually united with Christ. We could say he's immersed, he's submerged, he's drenched into Christ. Spiritually, his old man is put to death with Jesus at the cross. And he is granted resurrection life and power by the Holy Spirit. 
And this, of course, then puts the Christian on this lifetime learning curve, if you will, of just growing in relationship to Christ and learning what it is to live according to the resurrection life that he's given us. That's all spiritual talk. But what water baptism does is put that spiritual reality on physical display. Does that make sense? It, it, it's, it's, again, like putting on the wedding ring. It's not the moment of salvation, but it testifies to the moment of salvation. My ring doesn't make me married, but it testifies to the moment in which I made that covenant with my wife, and it says, yes, I am hers and she is mine alone. Right? What water baptism does, it doesn't save you, but it points to the fact that you have been saved that you are living out this life in Christ. So, it's an outward testimony to an inward reality. This is what water baptism does. It proclaims to others, it makes obvious and plain that I am Christ and He is mine now and forever. By His blood, I've been brought through the judgment waters from death to life. My life is no longer mine, but it's His. For me, now to live is Christ, as Paul would say. Baptism is important because it's a picture of my life in Christ. Finally then, baptism is meaningful, it's important because it's a sacrament of grace from Jesus. All right, so what do we mean by sacrament? I know this sounds all religious, like I'll break it down, right? The idea of sacrament is this. A sacrament is something instituted by Christ and administered by the church in which the Holy Spirit uniquely works to aid and strengthen one's faith, right? It's instituted by Christ, administered by the church, in which the Holy Spirit uniquely works to aid and strengthen one's faith. Sacraments don't give us saving faith. It's an important distinction. Just because I'm water baptized doesn't mean I'm good. I'm good because of what Jesus has already done in me. And now I get to put it on display through water baptism. You see? Sacraments don't give us saving faith. By the Spirit, they aid and strengthen the saving faith that is already there. Within the church... Jesus has instituted two sacraments, water baptism and communion. Water baptism is like, again, putting on that ring, so to speak. You're, you're making it obvious that you are his and he is yours, but then communion, the Lord's table that we oftentimes participate in, communion is like anniversaries. What are we doing? We're commemorating what Jesus has done for us. We're commemorating that time in which we came to faith in him and how he has been faithful uh, to us over the years. Communion is like celebrating and recapping the commitment and the journey that we've been on with Jesus. And it's so important to toss this in here, because I think we need direction as a church at times. I do believe there is significance and importance in putting the ring on before we go on to enjoy anniversaries. Does that make sense? 
When you get married, you first put the ring on to tell all others, I'm taken. Right? And then as anniversaries come around, then you're commemorating what took place. In a real way, when it comes to the Lord's table, we should be careful that we have first gone through that kind of outward display, put the ring on, so to speak, of being water baptized before we're coming and partaking of the elements. Put the ring on before you make the anniversary kind of a, a thing, right? Got to put the ring on. And we're not always, if you will, kind of sticklers on that priority, but we need to consider that that priority needs to have some weight on our hearts as believers. That baptism should have taken place before we engage in the Lord's table. All right, so water baptism is meaningful because it's a sacrament, right? It's something instituted by Christ, administered by the church, in which the Holy Spirit comes and uniquely aids us, right? And specifically, this aid that we receive from the Holy Spirit in doing this act of water baptism is a profound grace that he grants to us. You see, he is attending this moment in which we are going underwater and coming out of the water. Baptism becomes something for us of a spiritual declaration where the individual is saying in that moment through Christ, sin, Satan, you no longer have dominion over me. I don't belong to you anymore. I'm wed to another. I belong to another. It's literally to say to sin and to Satan, you must stay under these judgment waters. That's where you belong. Have you ever wondered the demoniac? Jesus casts out the, the demons from him. They enter into swine, and then where did they go? Into the water. It's all a testimony to say that's where the enemy belongs. That's where sin belongs. It belongs under the judgment waters. It does not belong coming out of the judgment waters, right? That's what Jesus does. He is a resurrection life. But no, the enemy and sin, they belong under the judgment waters. So in this act of baptism, we are declaring to sin and to Satan, you no longer have dominion over me. All the connections that you've had upon my life, whether it be generational sins or generational curses or spirits of unforgiveness or spirits of confusion or spirits of fear or spirits of witchcraft, of addiction, you are dead to me. That is what is being declared. This is a monstrous declaration. And Jesus, by his he's given us the right to say that. He's given us a right to deny the enemy, to renounce him and all the effects that he has on my life. That's why Paul will say in actually Romans chapter 6, he'll say, he'll remind us, sin no longer has dominion over you. This is where the Spirit comes and grants grace to us, granting us the right to renounce sin and the enemy. But then also, you don't stay under the water. You're coming out, out of the water, right? And as you come out of the water, it's a declaration. It's another declaration to say, Jesus is my king. 
I operate by his authority. I walk under his authority. And even with this new walk of authority in Christ, there is also with it that attends it the pleasure of the Father. Do you remember what happened when Jesus was baptized? He comes out of the water. The heavens are rent. Literally, the idea is torn. And who descends like a dove but the Holy Spirit? As the Father then declares, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. There is grace in the act of baptism, not only to renounce the enemy, but to also stand in the pleasure of the Father. As Jesus more or less is saying, you're mine. And the Father is saying, you're my child. I love you. Right? This is grace that is granted to the individual who walks out this step of obedience, receiving this grace by the Spirit to renounce the enemy, and oh, to know the pleasure and authority of his God. While you declare spiritual allegiance to Christ, the Father is declaring his pleasure to you. What grace is given in the moment of baptism, what favor is bestowed through this obedience in baptism. Water baptism is important because it is a sacrament of grace. All right, summarizing, pretty much done. In summary, water baptism is meaningful, it's important, it carries weight because it's a glorious command from Christ. And that is not some burden you should be wearing. That should, that's an opportunity. Jesus is saying, come on. Come on and follow. Come on and make it known, right? There's incredible importance to baptism because it is a command from Christ, but it is also an amazing picture of life in Christ. And finally, it's a grace-giving sacrament from Christ. For the ones who are being baptized today, it's a moment to declare your faith in Christ, to renounce the enemy, the old man, and to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit afresh this morning. For those fellow believers, it's time to celebrate. It's time to pray down, if you will, the pleasure, the power, and the protection of the Father over those who are confessing that they are now following Jesus. And for those who may just be on looking and saying, what in the world is happening here? I'm not quite sure what's going on. <laughs> this is meant to provoke you. It really is. It's meant, it's meant for you to sit back and, and wonder, is this Jesus worthy of my life? Let me just tell you, by experience, you can live your life, even as the song that was said, you know, chasing all kinds of things in the world to satisfy the inner needs of your heart and life. You will always be empty when you feed on the things of the world. You will always be empty to find significance, to find purpose, to find some sense of worth and security in this life. If you're looking to the things of the world, it will always fail to satisfy you. You'll always go, be going back. And you won't always just be going back, but it's a walk of slavery. It's a walk of bondage. 
You, you'll find yourself, oh, that didn't satisfy. But maybe this time it will. But maybe this time it will. It didn't give me the high. It didn't give me the satisfaction. It didn't give me the escape I wanted, the rest that I wanted, the rest that I needed. It didn't give me what I wanted. But I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. I've got to fill myself up again, fill myself up again, fill myself up again, only to find myself empty all over again. C.S. Lewis says, if you find that as the case of your experience in this life, let it open your eyes to the fact that you were probably created for something more, something more than this, the mere stuff of this life, namely an infinite God. If the world can't satisfy your heart and life, you were probably made for an infinite God. And what scripture says is, yep, that's the case. You are made to reflect him. You are made to find significance, worth, and security in him. You are made for the infinite. That's why nothing finite can satisfy you. And it's why Jesus comes to the hurting and the broken, to the addicted and the crushed, and says, come trust in me. Come in a real way, feast on me. Come be satisfied in me. Come let me be the rock that gives you stability in this life. Come, come to me for purpose in this life, for meaning in this life, and you will be satisfied. You say, well, you don't understand. My life is so broken, so backwards. You don't know the stuff that I've done, all that kind of stuff. He does, and he still bids you come. And he doesn't bid you come to him with all your religious pedigree. Here's all the good things that I've now tried to do to, to, you know, absolve me of the bad things. Jesus says, no, 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 you don't even have to do that. You can never pay God back for all the wrongs that have been done. You can never heal yourself of all the self-help gurus of our day. Jesus bids us come, come freely, and receive the work that he has already accomplished for you at the cross. It's a free gift not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But he offers his mercy freely, bids us come into relationship with him to find hope, to find healing, to find a covering for our shame, to find a true, a true way to get rid of my guilt. Jesus is the one who does that for us, who can truly satisfy our hearts. So if you don't know him, let this time, even going over and baptizing and hearing these kind of things, let it provoke your heart. Let it provoke your heart. Let me pray, and let's do a mass exodus over to the, to the pool. God, thank you. Thank you for these times that we can receive something of fresh grace from you. I pray specifically for those who are, uh, have committed themselves to being baptized in just a few minutes, God, uh, would you kind of surround their heart even right now, give them something of courage and boldness to testify to the faith and the story that you have given them. God, let it be a wonderful time, but oh Lord, let it be, even for those who may not know you, um, God, would you make your presence known in a unique way uh, to them, to those who are seeking, to those perhaps who are hurting. Jesus, make your presence known to them by your Holy Spirit, we pray that they would turn from their sin and their brokenness and trust in you as the one who can truly satisfy their hearts. We pray your help, pray your work. We love you, we adore you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's head on over Cottage Street first. First house on your right.